uh, always full of life, energy and passion. Uh, I guess even after your team lose 3-1 when they were 1-0 up, but he's here ready to bring us the word. So that deserves an extra warm welcome this morning for our pastor. Thank you, Jimmy. Okay, good morning, everybody. Can you just stand up a minute and give somebody a high five? Make sure, welcome everybody. It's always good. Always good to make sure everybody's got a warm welcome. Bible, you might want to open Revelations chapter 2. Revelations chapter 2, my title today is Born to be Wild. How many people in here are old enough to remember the song? Born to be Wild. One, two, three. Stepping Wolf. Just about. There's maybe about 10 folk that are um, picking up their pension. Anyway, Born to be Wild. Actually, I don't know where that came from, but that, that'll do. Somebody's Somebody's turned that one out. I had an, another one, but that's fine. That's good. Thanks, guys. Born to be wild. Born to be wild. Revelation 2. You know, you know, when, when, when you hear somebody's having a wee baby, you know, it's brilliant just to watch the mother go wild. Wild. I remember one footballer here, uh, he was from abroad, his English wasn't too good, and he, he heard his wife was um, expecting a baby, and he asked me to take him to Bernsaras, or whatever you call it, another side of the water. And we got there, and I was doing fine till he said, he was trying to, in broken English, say, order me a cot. So I'd go, cot, order me a bed, order me a bed. And then he says, order me nipple pads. And I went, Excuse me, mate, that's not my department. That's not my department, because she's leaking a wee bit, and I'm like, look, look, you know, translate that yourself, mate. There's no danger, you know. But what I loved was, you know, he, he was passionate, and he was wild about getting everything ready. The cot ready, the stuff ready for his wife, the stuff ready for the bedroom. He's going wild. In Genesis, when God's getting ready for his, his boy coming, you talk about wild, you might put a wee string of fairy lights up. God just goes absolutely wild in preparing the bedroom for his first boy. Too much grass, too many trees, too many birds, and if he wants to go for a swim, there's too many fish. And then it's time to put the lights in the sky. A couple of strings of fairy lights, not enough for his boy. He absolutely blitzes the sky with so many lights, you can't even count. That's what you call the wild love. He's so wild about his people, his preparation for his first boy, never mind the rest of us, was wild. And uh, you know, when I was preparing for this talk, I was asking myself the question, I wonder what God's really wild about. When people look for a church, they'll look for things that, you know, something that's good for the bairn and something that's good for the teenager and all this. But hey, God's just a wee bit different. God, what kind of church is he looking for? What kind of people is he looking for? What is he wild about? And as I was preparing for this, Elma said, you got a wee minute. I'm thinking of talking about your first love. 
on the ladies' encounter. And I've got to be honest, my first fleshly reaction was, oh, you're going to talk about that again, you know. How many times can you talk about the first love? But then, as she said it, God just took me apart. He just took me apart. I could hardly, my head went into fog. And he's like, so you think you've got it sussed? You think you've got that all sorted out? You think you're wild enough in that department? Your love's wild as it used to be. You think that? And then my brain started to work when I went to Revelations 2.4. And you know, in the letter to the seven churches comes to we highlight in Revelation 2.4 when he says, but I've got this against you. The problem with that word against is it's the same word it's used in James where it literally means it's translated opposed sometimes. It literally means I'm picking a fight with you. That's what it really means. I'm picking a fight with you. And he said, so I'm picking a fight with you because you've abandoned the first love. And you know, you've all heard that preached numerous times, but I thought, that's brilliant, Elma, but if there's a first love, is there a second one? If there's a first love, is there a third one? If there's a first love, is there a fourth one? How many loves is there? And of course, there's many, many, but there are four loves in the Bible. He's basically talking about the first one they've lost. But as I was preparing this, he showed me four it's lost. Now, I don't know about you guys, but is there a better feeling in the world when you find something that's totally important to you that you've lost? Or even you just thought you'd lost. Whether it's your wallet or your cards in a taxi or whatever it is, your wedding ring. It's no bad when you lose the, four, the first one, but I think I've, how many have I lost, darling? One or two, uh, more than one. You get off with the first one, but, but the third one, you're in trouble, guys. But finding something is lost. And from Genesis to Revelation, you see God is wild about finding what was lost. And he wants us to be wild about the four things, the four fires, the four loves he gives to us that have been lost. And when Elma first said about first love, I thought, well, I've certainly not lost that. But as she beautifully showed me some scriptures about hidden things you don't even see, and so that's where I want us to go today, to the four things that God looks for in a church. The four lost things that God looks for in his people. The four fires he loves to set in our hearts. And most churches are more Christian, most Christians are happy about one of these. And that's fine. But if you have a stool with, if you have a stool with one leg, it ain't going to stand up very long. But you got four stools. If you got four legs on your stool, the lion can't devour you. Why do you think a lion tamer has a lion paralyzed by lifting a stool? Because you all know the lion, the lion can only focus on one thing at a time. But when you show it the four legs, the lion goes into confusion. And when these four legs are on your stool, when the four fires are burning in your heart, the lion can touch you. 
the devil goes into paralysis. So that's where we're going this morning. But I got this against you. You lost your first love. Now, we know what that first love is. Matthew 22, 36. It says, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, to love the Lord your God. These disciples, the early disciples, they were wild. Their love for God, it says, love him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. They didn't take time out for their granny's budgie's birthday. They were wild. They left everything behind to follow him. Their love for Jesus. So as Elma was just sharing these words, God was just taking me apart and saying, are you that wild? Are you that wild? You wake up in the morning and you just got to talk to Jesus. You wake up in the morning, you're so wild. Could you be like David Wilkerson and say, cut me in slices all up the pavement? But I'm so in love for Jesus, every one of those slices would still be loving you as you cut me up. And I'm thinking, oh man, why did I almost say that and ruin my day? Your first love, I thought it was okay. But what if we're not okay and God wants to help us for what may be lost? Maybe we lost. Beneath, tell them you've lost it. You don't even know you lost it. You lost it. And you think, oh, I don't need another encounter. I don't need another touch from. I don't need that. Well, God knows some things are hidden. It was great to come in this morning to the fire and the worship. Because if that love is in a worship team, there is energy on the platform. How many people enjoyed the energy on the platform this morning? Come on, guys. Give it up for those guys. Come on, energy, energy. Energy comes from love. Now, the wild love I'm talking about is like the love when your daughter is 17 and you tell her for the thousandth time to tidy your room, I'll do it tomorrow. Those 500 handbags hanging on the bottom of your bed, I'll take care of them tomorrow. That stuff on the floor, there's nothing on the floor, Dad. You, you know, you're on your case. And then a weird moment happens. She's bringing Stephen home for the first time. Suddenly, suddenly, what bedroom? You see the shiniest bedroom you've seen in your whole life. Shinier than the five-star Queen Mary. Nothing. Could you dust the car? I'll dust the car. I'll dust the light bulbs. I'll dust, I'll dust you, Dad, if you sit still loving them. When love shows up, nothing Nothing, nothing is any trouble. And you don't have to make commands or demands or anything. In fact, it gets worse. Don't put your shoes there, Dad. Stephen will be arriving any minute. Oh, King Stephen's arriving, right? Suddenly everything changes because King Stephen's arriving. But that's what love, that's what happens. That's what happens at Teen Challenge. That's what happens when you come to Jesus. Love, fire burns in you. And nobody has to tell you to do anything. Nobody has to tell you to show up at Life Group and not skive it again because you're watching football or whatever. Nobody has to tell you these things. Love is in the house again. And love, fire is burning in you for Jesus. And hold me back. Let's give it up for Jesus Christ on that one. Come on. The fire of love. God is here this morning in the power of his Holy Spirit and any one of those fires that needs kindled 
in your heart and mind life, he wants to ignite four fires burning in us. It's not good. I meet evangelists and they say, oh man, I got this fire for souls. It ain't enough. I meet people who say, I'm all about worship. It ain't enough. It's a one stool, a one-legged stool you got. If you don't have those four in you, then you don't have the fires that God wants in his people and those four fires, wildfires, wildfires. We're in the early disciples. The second love. So you lost your first love, so let's see what the second one looks like. The second one is, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. it says, the first commandment we just read, and they said, and the second one, it's just like it. The second one, I like that, it's just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I tell you what, loving your neighbor as yourself, it's just like it. The same fires. When you first come to Jesus, the fire for your brothers and sisters, the fire that's in you for your church. The fire. Facebook is blitz right now with everything that's wrong with the church and what the church needs to do and what needs to change and blah, 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 blah. Hey, she is the bride of Christ, the church. Now, with whatever shape she's in, whatever condition she's in, whatever spots or wrinkles she's in, Jesus has a fire in him for his church. Imagine if that same fire for his church in all its colors, shapes, and sizes was in you and me, and somehow it transmitted down to our children and our children. Fire for the body of Christ. Fire for his church. Fire for his people. God wants us to wake up and to be able to say, yes, I can see your bride's put a wee bit weight on here and there and she's got a wee stretch mark here and all the rest of that. But something inside you of Christ is burning with his passion and his fire because he loves his church by this. See, evangelism, well, you just go and tell evangelism, but I'm telling you, here's the most powerful, the most powerful means of evangelism you'll find in the Bible, John 13, 35. It said, by this, by what? By the fire of love you've got for each other. When people see that fire burning, it says, by this, this, all people. That's a big statement. You're a wee bit triumphant there, God. You know, you're a wee bit exaggerating. All people will know you're my disciples. If you've got love, if you've got that fire burning in you, the fire burning in you for one another. Second love. How's the fire going, guys? How's the fire going? Third love. Who wants to know about the third one? The third love is a fire. The disciples were wild about this. Wild about this. You know, Aaron flagged up a little um, thing about a lady in, I can't pronounce it right, but the ruler of, I believe it was Romania, Tchaikovsky or whatever you cry him. Useless the pronunciation, right? Whatever his name is. The big man. And he, I, went, I thought I want a bit more background on this lady's story. She's she become a top judge in a nation. 
when she was six. She goes to church with her grandmother and these two huge guys are standing dressed in black from head to toe. The Securitat, pronounced perfectly, Securitat, the security forces of the communist regime pointed her in the chest at six years of age and said, you're a marked kid from now on. You're a marked kid. If you become part of the enemy, you've had it from six years of age. She grew up in that terror, listening to her little friend next door, getting the living daylights beating her every day by the security forces. And her uncle was taken away to a psychiatric home because he was aligned to the Christians. But she, her, her, her evil mother or stepmother, wouldn't let her study, made her work like a slave. So at four in the morning, she would go outside in the dark with a little light and she would study like crazy. She would study and study and study until finally she gets to set her exams to become a lawyer and a judge. And she becomes to the top of her tree, studying there in the, in the pitch dark. And she gets her tires slashed, she gets death letters, all kinds of things threatening her to stop this Christian influence as a judge. What she does is, one day this huge guy appears dressed in black and said, I need to talk to you in private. She said to her assistant, I'm too tired, but I won't speak to him. And she sent him home. She sent her assistant home. And the guy sits in front of her, huge, and she hears the click of a gun. And he says to her, you've been warned, and you've been warned, and you've been warned. And you won't take the warnings. I have come to kill you. And as he clicks the gun, the fire of God's love for the lost came on her. And in her mind, he became the smallest thing. She became huge. She said, you're not here to kill me. You're here because God sent you. You're here because you need to know that the people that sent you are evil, but God's going to forgive you and come into your life today. And he sobbed like a baby. And she keeps in touch with him to this day. And he is doing great. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Guys, stuff happens to all of us. Stuff happens to quench all our fires. But I want to learn. I want to learn how to keep the fires, all four of them burning, in the worst moment of my life. And God takes us, allows us to go to the worst moments. The worst moment of your life is the best moment to love the lost. Because the lost want to know how do they get through their stuff? How do they get through their stuff? And by you showing them how you get through your stuff, by rejoicing and being on fire, in the worst moment of your life and sharing Jesus. Aaron sent me another clip about salt losing its saltiness. This is 
saltiness. When it loses its saltiness, I decided last week to spend an extra quid and buy the latest pink salt from the mountains of Himalayas or New Zealand or whatever it is. Because this thing, you two spoonfuls of this and it takes 20 years off your life. So I couldn't wait to taste it. You'll never believe what it tastes like. Salt. Saxa. Salt. It's when there's a fire of love in Jesus burning in your soul. And even when there's a gun at your head, the salt comes out. The salt comes out. Right before you kill me, let me tell you something brilliant. What if the fire of love for the third lost, the third lost, the third lost, the lost was burning in you. And in your worst moment, you're ready to be salty. Fourth love. So what was the first one again, guys? Love your God. The second one, the third one, Fourth one. This fourth one sets the pace for all the other three. This one, if it ain't on your stool and the other three are on, then you can be a great evangelist, a great worship leader. You could be great and still be a pain. The fourth one is God's love for the word lower. Lower. L-O-W-E-R. Philippians 2, 7 said this. Jesus emptied himself. He could have come in with the chariots and the horses, but he lowered himself. He took the low position. He took the form of a servant being in the likeness of men. Matthew 23 says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Matthew 23, 12. God loves it when we take every single opportunity to take the lower place. When God does the greatest miracle in your life for you, That's not the moment to think. (laughs) You're looking at Billy Graham here. That's the moment to take the lower place and go, God, you're amazing. You would use a dumpling like me. That's the moment you take the lower place. And when things go wrong for you, that's the moment to take the lower place. You lost your resources. You lost this. Somebody's attacking the wife. That's the moment to take the lower place. Because when you take the lower place, you're acknowledging all the resources I need, all the breakthrough I need, all the healing I need, all the miracle I need is going to come from one place and one place alone. The living God who has promised never to leave me, never to forsake me. Imagine that fire of humility was burning in you that caused you to show up every week at everything you could to take the lower place and serve somebody. 
12 people have been raised from the dead in one church I visited last year. 12 official recordings from the dead. And 10,000 people come to Jesus. And uh, when I spoke with Roland and, and Heidi Baker about this, it was mind-blowing because they said, you know, when we go to a village and we raise somebody from the dead, hundreds of people flood into the church. Hundreds. He says, but you know what's amazing? It's no guarantee that the man who was raised from the dead makes it in his faith. <laughs> so often he don't make it. And so often, so many of the ones that come in with them, they don't make it. And I'll tell you why. Because they, so, they wanted the hand of Jesus and not his face. They wanted the gifts, but not him. They wanted the miracles, not the author of the miracles. And the fire stays with you if, yes, you acknowledge your needs, and, yes, you know he's going to meet your needs, but if you can't sign up for this thing, taking the lower place, I need you, Jesus. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. That is the lower place. Jesus was in a good place. He's just finishing a 40-day fast. Any of you guys that fasted even one 24 hours, you just know there's something about God gets attracted to lowerness or humility, and he gets attracted when we set ourselves aside. And Jesus himself, he didn't have to do any of this, but he lowered himself. 40 days of fasting. Roland and Heidi Baker says, we never make appeals for money. We never put anything on the internet. How many is raised from the dead? We don't boast about nothing. Every single thing that happens, bad or good, we take the lower place. We go on our knees and we say, oh God, you are great. God, you never fail us. God, you are our resources. But flesh loves to get on the high horse. And the devil will do everything to get you on a high horse. Jesus could have gone on a high horse. Hey, God, these punks, these disciples, I've now been crucified. Where are they? He could have gone on his high horse. Whenever you get on a high horse, it's like in that moment God picks a fight with you. Because he says he opposes the proud and he walks with the humble. So the minute, but the devil's not stupid. He has three temptations to nail Jesus. 40 days of fasting, he's in a good place. He's with the Father 40 days. And the devil shows up. Listen, when the devil shows up, it's not always because you're in a bad place or you've been bad. He just likes to show up anytime. <laughs> so quit beating yourself up when the devil shows up. Anyway, Jesus was in a good place and the devil has three goals. He first tries the old trick. The way to a man is through his stomach. So he tempts him with the bread. After 40 days. Bread. But then the next bit, if you see it, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. You may have seen this before, but you may have missed it. It says, he took him to the highest point of the temple. He's doing everything he can to get Jesus on his high horse. 
Hey, you're the man, Jesus. Show them. Wipe them. He's basically saying, just go to the highest point, chuck yourself down, or the angels will show up, the Alamo, <laughs> and the enemy's wiped out. Going back a few, few years now, George. Eh? The highest point. The devil will do everything he can to keep you at the highest point, to keep you from lowering yourself. Then, his last temptation, the third one is, and I love this. So the bread hasn't worked. The highest point of the temple hasn't worked. What does the devil do? And you may, you may have seen this, but you may have missed it. He takes them to a very high mountain. Why does he take them to a high mountain? Because at the highest mountain, you could see, woof! You could see the whole shebang, the whole of the kingdoms. And he begins to tell them, you know what? You know what? All the kingdoms. I can give you all the kingdoms at the high point. And I want to encourage you guys big time. The Lord, I believe, is about to ignite four fires. Our job is to present people mature in Christ. It's good to be a worshiper. It's good to be evangelist. It's good to be humble. But you cannot be a one-issue Christian or a one-issue church. There has to be four fires, four loves. God says he walks with the humble. He just loves it. One of our granddaughters comes in, and it's hilarious. She's too humble, to be honest with you. Because I'm like, we had a good girl last night. No, didn't like my daddy's soup. It was green. I threw it on the floor and I was very, very naughty. And he put me in the room. And you're listening to her and you think, actually, she's quite proud of the fact that she was naughty. <laughs> she's actually almost boasting. And I was naughty last week, granddad, and I was almost like she's won stars for being naughty. Brilliant, isn't it? Brilliant. But I want to finish with this. Imagine Waking up tomorrow and there's a fresh fire on you. And the four things that many believers have lost, and I know most of you haven't lost most of these because I see other ways and stuff you do, but it's great to ask God to search your heart. Because if you're being really honest, if you're being really honest, at least one of these if somebody crosses me, take my parking space, what's the first thing you do? You're on your high horse, you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, you're on everything you could go and just letting the world know. The lower place. When you get invited to dinner, one lady got upset here, she'd been coming for a few months and we put some, we put some, um, what do you call it? What's the word you put? Reserve signs for one or two people that were on crutches and things. And the lady come bouncing in and was all excited. And True story. She sat in one of these reserve seats and she announced to everybody, finally I've been recognized in this church. <laughs> Do you know what? I, don't, I, I promise you, I didn't take any pleasure in saying, actually, that's no your seat, hen. I didn't take any great pleasure in it. But we actually just keep it for someday, you know. You take the lower place. When God does something great for you, 
take the lower place. Take the lower place. Miracles galore, blah, 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 blah. Take the lower place and go, God, you be exalted in this. And when things go wrong for you, don't let the devil get you on the high horse, criticizing and judging and bitter and everything. Because that doesn't attract the God who loves to walk with the one in the low places. And that's why when the Haiti appeals came and the different appeals for cancer, different things, you rose up to be a comfort to those in the low place. Could the band just come back up again? I'd like us to sing alive in us. And do you know what? If, if the music's not your cup of tea, try coffee. Don't let that put you off. The words are awesome because God loves to awaken us, toughen us, and he loves us to be alive. Imagine Jesus shows up in one month's time and calls you home and you meet him at the pearly gates and he has his fireman's helmet on and he checks at the fore and he goes, hey, fires of love for Jesus, unbelievable. Fires of love for his church, unbelievable. Fires of love for the lost, unbelievable. Fires of love for taking the lower place, the lower place. Why don't we applaud the Lord Jesus who took, came down from heaven and took the lowest place? The lowest place. The lowest place. Let's stand together. As the band prepare leader, I'm just going to pray. Why don't we just reach our hands to heaven, even if they're in your pockets, just hand them to him. Why don't we just say, God, your love is wild. No one else would think of giving the sun for me. No one else would put too many fairy lights in the sky. No one else would put a floodlight morning and night. No one else would put too much grass. Your love is just wild. Your disciples, they caught it. They were wild about you, Jesus. They were wild about the brothers and sisters. They were wild about those who need you. And they were wild about taking the place of Jesus, the lower place. Father God, we surrender to you. Yes, some of us in pain, some in distraught, some in abuse, some in agony. But even like the Romanian judge, let it be that even in this moment, you ignite those four fires. And as we sing, come alive in us again in our love for Jesus. Come alive again for us in a love for your bride. Come alive for us again, oh God, that we will share this salt with those who've never heard. Come alive in us, God, to quit defending ourselves and sticking on that high horse. 
but lowering herself and surrendering and trusting you, God, to put everything right. In Jesus' name. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ, guys. He's great, mighty, and worthy to be praised. Thank you.